Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you, Lord God, for a chance to be in your house and to celebrate your name. For your name is powerful, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being here, for welcoming us into your house. And Lord, we thank you that we can come and gather and listen and be challenged and be encouraged and be uplifted. We ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would come and do all of that as we worship you today. And thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray this morning that we would hear your voice. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to talk about vision, um, and in particular, impaired vision. So I'm putting on my reading glasses because my vision is somewhat impaired, at least my physical vision. Our goal today is to call upon the Lord and ask Him to open up our vision so that we can see clearly His call, His direction, His will for our lives. Not just our physical vision, but our spiritual vision. In particular, this morning, our spiritual vision. I've been looking around, a lot of you wearing glasses, uh, so I know you know what it's like to have impaired vision. Some of you have contacts on because you're too vain to wear, myself included. Uh, Actually, the last couple days I've worn my glasses for the first time in years. It's horrible. Uh, Praise God for contacts. But this morning, uh, think about vision. Uh, What is your vision? What is your spiritual vision? That's the question this morning. And is it impaired? Uh, We come to the book of Acts. Last week we talked about the beginning of the church. This week we talk about the beginning of Saul's ministry. And in verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 1, we read, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas Judas on State Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man 
and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. I'm going to try not to cough, which is always when you start coughing, isn't it? You notice how that works? You try not to cough, and that's when you cough. This morning we're talking about vision and a future vision. Uh, And you you know, it's interesting to me when when we start talking about vision, um, vision usually comes with different perspectives, doesn't it? If you start thinking about the future of the United States, for instance, um, there are people with very differing perspectives on how the United States should should proceed in the future. Would you agree with me? Uh, <clears throat> this week just really uh, highlighted that, and thank you, Lois, for the prayer request. Um, as we watched, uh, and you know, there are police shootings, and that has both connotations, right? There are police getting shot and police shooting people. And, and our hearts are out to, to those who are grieving this morning and calling upon God to bring, as, as Lois said, uh, love instead of hatred. Um, and, and what a shame to think of where we've come, right? Uh, where hatred is so strong. Uh, but always remember that love is greater, isn't it? And when you think of, of the future, uh, a lot of naysayers out there, oh, look where it's going, you know, it's going downhill and da-da-da-da. Uh, <clears throat> hey, let them naysay all they want. We still believe in a God who is con- in control. And our God has a future for us, for his people, that is filled with blessing and with joy and with love. And if we would hold on to the vision that he has for us, we would begin to see in our lives the transformation he has for us. The problem is our vision becomes impaired. And this morning we want to talk about our personal vision first and foremost. I, I could spend all, all morning talking about the, the uh, vision of the United States and where perhaps we could uh, change that. But I believe the biggest way to change that is to change our personal vision. Now, y- you may have a vision for what you hope to see in the near future or uh, maybe tonight, for those of you who are long-term planners, um, <clears throat> or, or maybe for next year, things that you, you see that, boy, I'd like to see that done, you know. I'm retired, so I'd like to, well, maybe tonight I'll do that. Uh, or maybe you have this long-range plan. Well, in the next 10 years, uh, we want to move to this place and do this and, or build this. Or we, we, we make our own plans, and we're good at making plans sometimes. But this morning, I, I'd like you to stop and think not about your plans, 
but begin to think about God's plan for you. Your personal spiritual plan that God has for you. I, I, I pray this morning that we begin to catch a spiritual vision. Not so much physical, but a spiritual vision brought on by God. I love this picture. Uh, the rest of your life, and there are two directions. You can go average or you can go memorable. Let me encourage you. If you choose God's plan for your life, it's going to be memorable. Maybe scary as all get out, but it's going to be memorable. Because God's going to begin to do some incredible things in your life as you begin to trust Him, rely upon Him. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's going to stop. And seek his face. <clears throat> now, uh, I have a way to help us kind of, I think, illustrate this. And I need three volunteers. Thank you, Paulie. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, uh, Ron. <clears throat> Come on up. I, I, love the, I love the way these guys are willing to volunteer. <clears throat> Give them a hand. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, Paul, you can take your glasses off. <clears throat> you won't need them. This is bad. <clears throat> what, you don't trust me, Paul? Nope. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, Paul, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's looking better already. <coughs> <coughs> okay. <clears throat> Paul has a blindfold on. Can you see me? Nope. Good. All right. <clears throat> Actually, I only need one of you two. Okay. Actually, no, I really want Ron. Sorry, Mike. You can go sit down. Thank you. Actually, I need Stephanie up here. Stephanie, can you come up here? Okay. Right here. All right. Now, uh, for those of you who are listening on podcast, we have a guy here in a blindfold. We have a guy here that's really smart, and then we have my beautiful daughter just to make things look better. All right. Uh, now, uh, this, there is a point to this, folks. Okay, so stick with me. All right. <clears throat> now, uh, we're, we're talking about impaired vision. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so uh, there, there are three things that are going to happen in our, that w- happen in our Scripture this morning. And, and I just want to kind of illustrate that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> there. Oops. Ah, it's going to hate me. Help me out. All right. <clears throat> So we have a picture up here. So, um, Paulie, can you tell me what's on that picture there? I need a mic. Green. All right, there we go. Paulie, can you tell me what's in this picture? That picture has a beautiful mountain and a lake scene. Not even close, (laughs) but a good guess. All right, so so that's that's what you get out of this picture, right? Yep, yeah. Awesome. In other words, you have a blindfold on, you can't see a darn thing. That's correct. Oh, good. Okay. So, Ron, tell me what you see. Uh, describe this the best you can. <clears throat> what is this? It's a uh, handgun. Looks like a 9mm. Uh, don't know the make. Uh, probably. Well, let me see if I can help you out here. Go to the next picture. There you go. Does that help you any? Uh, no, not really. No, I can't really. Okay. Go ahead. What else do you see? Anything else? Um, laying on a table. Okay. Floor. <laughs> All right. Good. Um, yep, I guess so. 
Okay, great. All right, now, Stephanie, I'm going to ask you some questions about this gun. Okay. <clears throat> My guess is you know a little more about this gun. A little. Um, what do you know about this gun? It's Grandpa's gun. Okay, it, it was your grandfather's gun, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it's um, a pistol. It's Colt. Okay. Um, Hammerless. How, yeah. Uh, how's that gun shoot? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, now, how, how would you know how that gun shoots? Because I shot it. You shot it. All right. All right. Not at somebody. <clears throat> no, no, we know that. All right. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Now, uh, <clears throat> when you shot that, did you hit the target? Yes. Okay. Um, does it shoot pretty straight? <laughs> uh, kind of. Kind of. All right. Yeah, it has some problems, doesn't it? All right. <clears throat> now, Polly, uh, now, now that you've heard all this, Polly, can you share us, uh, what do you know about this gun? It shoots kind of straight, <laughs> and it's Grandpa's gun. And it's Grandpa's gun. Okay. All right. Now, <clears throat> the reason why I, I want to go ahead, Paul, you can look at this gun. I want you to see this. Um, we, we had three different perspectives on this gun. Give these guys a hand. Didn't they do a great job? Thank you, guys. Just back right now. We have, we have three perspectives on, on this gun, and I, I may need your help to advance this. I don't know how that'll work. Um, we have three perspectives on this gun. Just as in this morning's passage, we have three different groups or three different people who have vision, and they have different types of vision, and all of them, to a certain extent, have a vision that's impaired. But because of where they come from and because of the reactions that they experience, they, are, they have opportunities to actually see. In our illustration here, the, the vision is the gun, okay? Uh, that's the vision. And there are some who knew about the gun, some who knew a little about the gun, and some who had no clue that there was even a gun there. Until they heard about it from someone else, and then they had an opportunity to see the gun. Now, in this morning's passage, we start out with this, this group. Oh, good. <clears throat> Looks like we're going to. Uh, we, we start out with this first group that has traveling companions. And no, it wasn't the guys from the Wizard of Oz. But that was the first thing I thought of with uh, traveling companions. Saul has traveling companions. They're along with him. We don't know why they're with him. We don't know whether he just ran into them along the way and they started to go along with him, uh, i.e. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, uh, Dorothy and her companions, or perhaps these were people who were going with him uh, to try to arrest the Christians, the followers of the way, in Damascus. And so as they go along, of course, Saul is stopped by this great light. But did you notice, they didn't see it. They heard, they heard, they heard a noise, but they didn't see anybody. There are people in our world who travel along, who go with us, who walk with us, who may walk with us a long time, may hear over and over and over again, but they never see anything. As a matter of fact, you may be one of those people here this morning. You may be coming to church week after week after week. You hear the preacher, whoever it happens to be that week, uh, say kind of the same thing. You might think, man, this is the same thing over and over again. Or you may get a piece here or a piece there, but as you listen, you never really have caught the vision God has for you. You've never really seen what God has for you. 
The problem is your vision is impaired. You're willing to hear, but you're not willing to see because you don't have a relationship with God. Hearing about something a hundred times is not as good as seeing it once. Think about that. Hearing about something a hundred times is not as good as seeing it once. Now, when I'm talking about seeing this morning, I want you to understand that that means you actually experience it. And these people didn't experience hardly anything. Saul experienced it. They saw Saul experience something. They heard something. But experiencing Jesus for themselves never happened. They heard about it, but they never experienced it for themselves. And and I believe that there are people probably here this morning who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of His love for them, and they've never said yes to Him. They've never experienced Him. Oh yeah, they, they come along. They come alongside. They may walk with us for a long time. They may be friends of yours who walk with you week after week after week, and they've never opened their heart to Jesus Christ. Never let Him come in. Never asked Him to show them who He really is in their lives. Jesus put it this way. He he told a parable, a story. Jesus was a great storyteller. I wish I was as good as he was. Um, Of course, he was perfect, so I don't have much hope there. But but he was a great storyteller. And he told this story about this guy who went and sowed seed. He threw seed, and that's the way they sowed seed back in those days. And so he he threw the seed on the soil. And, And Jesus said there were four different types of soil. He said there was excuse me, there was the path. Some of the seed landed on the path. In other words, the sower is sowing, and some of the seed fell upon the path. That hard, packed down ground. Some of the seed, he said, fell on rocky soil. Some of it fell amidst the thorns. And some of it fell on good soil. And then Jesus begins to explain this story. And he says, the, the, the sower is, is the one who's sowing the seed, the Word of God. And he says, some people hear it, but they don't understand it. That's the seed who falls on the hard, packed down path. They hear it, but they don't understand it. In other words, let me rephrase that. They hear it, but they don't experience it for themselves. And that's because somehow their heart has become hard. Their heart is not ground that will accept the seed, you see. And there are a lot of things that can make us hard. Unforgiveness can make us hard. Fear can make us hard. Anger can make us hard. Hatred can make us hard. All kinds of things can make us hard. When we think we're smarter than God can make us hard. A lot of things make us hard. And when our hearts are hard, we hear, but we don't experience it. And some people, when they hear, it lands on rocky soil. And God, Jesus says, what happens is the seed lands on that rocky soil, and it, and it begins to sprout. But it can't get the root down in because the soil is rocky. 
And so because it has no root, it dies. He says, it's like people who hear the message. They hear the word, but, but they, don't, they don't really experience it to any depth whatsoever. And these are people who frequently have an emotional experience. All of a sudden, yeah, I, I, I want something more. I need something more. And someone says, Jesus is the more you need. And they say, yeah, Jesus is the more that I need. And then they go home and someone says, what did you need? Jesus is what I needed. And the person says, that's great. Why don't we sit down and study the Word of God together and see how Jesus is going to reveal Himself to you over and over. They say, no, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy for that. And so there's that, that emotional moment. Now, there's nothing wrong with emotional moments, folks. I frequently have emotional moments. That's good stuff. But if you don't follow it up with something that's going to be grounded in your life, you're, you're just going to have spiritual moments, spiritual moments, spiritual moments, and eventually you'll just walk away. And I fear there are people who have those moments and they just walk away. Why do they walk away? Well, because they never got grounded in what God wants for their lives. And then, and then Jesus said, and some of, that, some of that fell amidst the thorns. And what, what He says is, those are the people that hear the Word, but, but then the worries of this world and wealth that's interesting. And money, divert them from what God is doing and choke out what the Word says. And, and brothers and sisters in Christ, let me warn you, uh, there are thorns all around us that want to choke out the Word of God in our lives. Because the Word of God is challenging and challenges this world. And a lot of times we don't like those challenges because it challenges held beliefs that we've held for a long, long time. And all of a sudden Jesus says, no, 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 that's not what I'm about. And you say, oh, wait, 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 Jesus. This is what I've been about my whole life. Now you're telling me that's not what you're about? And he says, that's exactly what I'm telling you. You're reading the, God, the Word of God, and this is what it really says. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Reach out in love. Jesus is constantly calling us to places that is totally foreign to what our thoughts and our minds would naturally go. And some of us are rather stubborn. And we allow the thorns to begin to build up around us. And when we do that, our vision becomes very impaired. And if we do that too long, the gospel will have no bearing in our lives whatsoever. They hear the message and it gets choked out. And then finally, finally that last, that last, uh, that last wonderful, wonderful soil. That's what Jesus says. This is someone who hears the word and understands it. Remember, experiences it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I, I just want you to see that People who hear the Word and experience it have productive lives. I, I thought, that, that's a new idea for me. I, I've never thought about that, but it's true. People who hear the Word of God and put it into practice have productive lives. Wouldn't you like to have a productive life? Um, we've spent a lot of time trying to have a happy life. 
and we try to, a lot of time to have an easy life, and we spend a lot of time trying to avoid the, the pitfalls and the struggles of life. Wouldn't it be exciting if our goal wasn't to avoid trial, to avoid struggle, to avoid hardship, but rather to be productive in all of our lives? When we hear the Word of God and experience Jesus, our lives become productive. Why? Because He gives us a vision and a plan and a purpose, a reason for being. We don't just exist anymore. We exist because Jesus is in our lives and He is doing something awesome. These companions walk along and they they can't hear it. Well, they can hear it. They can't see it. I'm sorry. They, they can hear it, but they can't see it. Why? Because they have impaired vision. They haven't experienced it for themselves. They don't even know if they want to experience. They're just walking along with the crowd. But Jesus has something exciting for them. If they'd be willing to open their lives to Him, He has productive lives for them. <clears throat> their vision is impaired. <coughs> they hear but they do not see. And then we have Ananias. I love Ananias. Ananias is in in the presence of God, worshiping God, and he has this vision. And in this vision, something very unexpected happened. Now, Ananias knows, Ananias is up to date on what's happening in in the work of the church and in the lives of the people of God. And he knows there's this guy named Saul who's been going around trying to kill Christians, have them put to death. He knows that. Ananias is very aware of this. And God comes to him in a vision. Jesus says to him, Ananias, this is totally unexpected, I want you to go, pr- go and lay your hands on a guy named Saul from Tarsus who's praying. I can imagine <clears throat> Ananias is sitting there going, what? He's praying? Uh, what, what, what's going on? This guy named Saul is praying and you're answering his prayer? God, God, what is happening here? I don't get it. Now, Ananias can see clearly what God is calling him to do. He's good with that. He has clear vision there where it starts to get fuzzy is on the edges when it becomes clear that the person he wants him to go pray for is Saul of Tarsus, his enemy. And all of a sudden, Ananias isn't so clear that this is something. He's he's saying to himself, I'm not getting something right here. And what I like about Ananias is he begins to ask the questions. (coughs) Now, we live in in a society, in, in a Christian society where there are a lot of Christians who are afraid to ask questions. As if, if, if you asked questions, then you are disobeying God. I want to be very clear right now that God is not afraid of your questions. He's freely accepting of your questions. He wants you to ask the tough questions. He wants you to ask those questions. Now, I, I was in ROTC and I learned very quickly that in ROTC, um, they didn't want you to ask questions. I, I learned that very quickly um, because the why question always came into my head. And I always wanted to know, 
why. And they never wanted to share why. Now, I get it. I know why, because they want you to be obedient and do it, because there may be a point where they call you to do something, and you don't have time to ask why. That's the military. That's not the kingdom of God. Praise God. That's why I fit so much better in God's kingdom than in the military. Because I love the why question. Jesus, tell me why. I don't get it. Explain it to me. There's nothing wrong with asking why. Some of the greatest Christians who ever lived asked the question why. A guy named Job asked the question why. God didn't say, don't ask that question. God said, come on, Job, bring it on. Ask me as many questions as you want. Job started asking. Job, Job, of course, if you know the story of Job, he experienced a lot of loss in his life. He didn't get it. He lost his family. He lost his, 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 some of his income. He lost, he lost all kinds of things. He knew what loss was all about. And he's constantly asking God. You can read it for yourself in, in the Scriptures. It's called the book of Job. Or you can, it looks like Job, if you don't know your scriptures real well. <clears throat> we, we call him Job, uh, but it looks like Job in English. And, and as you read this story, um, you hear Job ask question after question after question after question. And there's some well-meaning Christians there who, who say to Job, well, the problem is you're asking questions, and it's clear what the answers are. And they start giving him these pat answers. You ever have people do that? You know, when I was in Sunday school as a, as a kid, the teacher would ask a question. We'd say, Jesus, God, Bible, because we knew it had to be one of the three, right? <clears throat> uh, you see, God isn't about these pat answers that, that we throw at people. And finally, God says, all right, Job, you want to ask questions? This is great. i got some answers for you. Stand up. And he starts to ask Job questions. <laughs> and, of course, Job is... <clears throat> not aware of the answers to some of these questions. For instance, he asked him, were you there when I, when I created the foundations of the world? Uh, Joe, Joe, can you answer uh, the names of all the animals and how they were created? Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, just throwing stuff, stuff together. He asked him all these tough questions, <laughs> and Job is like, oh man, this is way beyond me. And God says, you know, Job, sometimes things are beyond you. Sometimes you have to trust me. But he, doesn't, he never says, don't ask the question. Ask the hard questions. And often Jesus gives answers to hard questions. Lord, I don't get it. I don't get where I'm supposed to go next. I don't get what the next plan is. I don't get why you are calling me to go to that place. I don't get why you've put me in this situation. I don't get why these things have happened to me. Lord, I have all these questions. God says, good. Ask the question. But you've got to be ready for the answer. And he says to Ananias, this is the answer. I want you to go and pray for him because I got great plans. I can see Ananias with his eyes getting bigger all the time. This is my chosen instrument. And Ananias must have been knocking his head. I don't get this. You don't have to get it, Ananias. But when he gets there and he prays for Saul, he begins to see a miracle of God. And he sees Saul. Did you see how he addressed Saul? Brother Saul, he said. This was an enemy just the other day. Just earlier that, or three days ago, that was the enemy. And now he's a brother in Christ. 
You see, God calls us to do some unexpected things, and when we're looking for His vision for our lives, we've got to be open to all of it. And then listen, and if you have questions about it, ask Him. Be tough. Say, come on, God, I don't get it. Help me understand. He'll be there. He'll begin to show you the reason and the direction. He doesn't always give you all the answers, but He gives you enough so that you can step out in faith. And when you step out in faith, you'll begin to see God's miracles happen in your life. When was the last time you saw a miracle? Could it be because your vision is so impaired that you're afraid to ask the tough questions or in the midst of the situation, you're not willing to open your heart to experience Him in the middle of it? Ananias caught the vision. He saw it. And when he was willing to experience it, when he, when he asked the tough question and then step out in faith, God did a miraculous thing. You with me? Don't get lost here, folks. This is important stuff. God has a plan for your life. It's a plan filled with His miracles and His direction as you trust Him and as you follow Him. Ask the tough questions. <clears throat> the psalmist said this, Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. Come and see what God has done. I want you to see God do great things. you got to experience Him. Ask the tough questions and step out in faith. And then finally, um, (coughs) when our vision gets impaired, there's this last guy that we see. And and Saul, of course, this is probably what you thought I was going to talk about the whole time. But but Saul had a vision problem, didn't he? Now, Saul had been doing what he thought God wanted him to do. That's what's really crazy about this passage. And, and a reminder to me that when I, sometimes what I think God wants me to do isn't always God's plan. And I allow my stuff to get involved way too often. And so Jesus comes and confronts Saul face to face. And part of the problem... <clears throat> Part of the problem that we find ourselves in is we're trying to figure out what God wants us to do without allowing Jesus to come into our lives and to begin to experience Him in our lives. And so sometimes we try to walk that, that middle ground. I'm not going to choose one side or the other. I, I, want, I want both worlds. Well, look at this picture. The one side is barren and hot and dry. The other side is lush and full and beautiful. Which do you really want? i got to tell you something. After this last week, um, it got so hot. I, I had enough of hot. Last night was incredible. I mean, it was like the world changed for me. You know, it, it's hot and muggy. You can't sleep. You can't sleep. Our, our lawn was brown. Our field was turning brown. The trees... No, no. <laughs> Trees were brown. They're always brown. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, It it was dry and barren. And and then that rain came. And then the air just opened up. And last night, I don't know about you. See, I could preach all day because I finally slept last night. First time in like three nights that I really, really slept. I mean, you know, you sleep on and off with a fan on. Oh, man, the air just opened up. That's what it is when you experience Jesus. Life is no longer barren and dry. It's not just a struggle. It's a struggle with with a purpose, with God blowing that cool breeze across, saying, here, this is what I have for you. And Saul finally says yes to Jesus. And I think it's interesting that 
that he, first of all, he has to confront what he's done, doesn't he? He, 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 Jesus is right in his face. You've been persecuting me. Why, Saul? Why are you persecuting? Saul's like, well, who are you, Lord? Obviously, you're more important than I am. You're I mean, I'm looking at you face to face with Jesus all of a sudden. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Why? Why, Saul? Why do you chase down my people? And all of a sudden, Saul has this moment where he realizes what he thought he was doing for God, he was doing for himself. And what he was doing for himself was killing him. And it was separating him from the God that he claimed to love. And when you do that, when you begin to confront exactly who you are and what you're doing and are honest with Jesus, okay, Jesus, I've been going this wrong way. I've been doing this my own way. I need to stop. And he stops and he's confronted with who he is, where he's been headed. (laughs) And for three days, he can't see. And the only thing he can focus on is what happened to him. The other day we were watching... uh, uh, Jeopardy. I think it was last night, and, and the guy, the one guy, had this incredibly yellow shirt on, and and I said to, I think it was Stephanie. I said to Stephanie, I said, "Look, if you look away from the TV, you still see him." <laughs> you, you know how that works? Uh, like when you look at the sun, right? And you look away from the sun, what do you still see? You still see the sun. That's, that's what happened. I think that's what happened to Saul. He saw Jesus. There he is. And now he's blind. And the only thing he can see is Jesus. Everywhere he looks or, or everywhere he turns, that's, what, that's what's on his mind. He's focused on Jesus now. And that's what we need to really understand what God has for us. We've got to be focused on Jesus. What is it that Jesus would have us do? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what is Jesus doing in our world? What's he doing in our lives? Where is he leading us? Where is he leading you? And our focus needs to change. It's not about our circumstances. It's not about what I want. It's what He wants. And that, that's all He can focus on. And He begins to fast, which I think is a great thing. Um, and, and He's fasting. And I don't know if He's fasting just because He's upset or if He's fasting because He's actually wanting to know what God wants Him to do. Whatever it is, for whatever reason, He's not eating. And the neat thing about not eating is you're going to get hungry, and when you're hungry, you're going to have to think about something, and the only thing he was thinking about was Jesus. And so every time he got hungry, what could he do? He could turn to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I don't get this. Explain this to me. Open me up. If you're having a hard time figuring out what God has for you, even today or tomorrow, stop eating. And get serious about asking him. We call it fasting. And you say, well, what? People sometimes ask me, Pastor, when I fast, what, what, should, I, what should I not? Should I not eat anything? Or, or should I you know, not eat? I don't care what you do. I, God doesn't care. <laughs> God's not up there like, oh, well, you know, I saw him. He, he had a, an M&M in between meals. I'm not answering that prayer. <laughs> That's not what God's doing. <laughs> I sometimes wonder what we think about God. God's up there saying, are you serious? Are you really serious about, do you really want to know what I, what I want for you? That's what he wants to know. Are you really serious? And one thing about neat about giving up food is it helps us focus. And when we get hungry, we can refocus because that's what happens in our lives, right? We get busy. So when we get hungry, we can refocus. Or if we want whatever that thing is that we've decided to give up, I don't care what you give up. I'm, I'm going to give up M&Ms for the rest of my life. Don't give up for the rest of your life. 
But every time I think of having an M&M for the next two weeks, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus, I don't know what your thing is. Whatever your thing is. Take time. He's physically blinded, so he has to focus on Jesus. And then Ananias comes and prays for him, and he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And now, you see, we focus in on the fact, well, now he can see. Well, yeah, he can see, but he can see because the Holy Spirit has come into his life. And now he can see what God wants for him. And he's open to what the Spirit is doing. And I want you to notice something. The first thing he does is he gets up and gets baptized. Now, our time is almost up, but I want to talk about baptism for a minute. You know, some people say, well, why should I be baptized? I mean, you know, it's just... It's just a ritual we do. No, it's not just a ritual we do. Baptism is a moment where you say to Jesus, listen, I want to follow your path for my life. I recognize that you've taken off my old label and you've put a new label on me. You have now called me your child. That's that's an incredible moment, by the way. When you accept Christ, He calls you His child. Now you're His kid. And when you stand in the waters of baptism, what you say is, now I'm a child of God. I want everybody to know that Jesus is my Lord. And I want to follow Him. And that first step is to step down in that water. And people say, well, why would you want to go in the water and be baptized? Go down under the water and come up. What was There's a lot of symbolism in that I, want to go into, I don't want to go into right now. But I want you to hear something. When you stand in that water, even when Jesus stood in that water. You remember when he was, he was put down under the water? The Scripture says when he came up out of the water, a voice from heaven said this. Do you remember what he said? This is my, my son. This is my son with whom I am. What's he say? Well pleased. Some of you have never heard anybody say, I'm proud of you. I love you. But Jesus wants to say that. He's just waiting for you to say, yes, I'll be your child. I'll be your child. You say that, He'll come and He'll grab you. He'll fill you with His Holy Spirit. And He'll say, let's go down to the water. I want to tell the world, you're my child. It's that moment of adoption. Adoption doesn't happen just in one moment, right? If you've ever adopted a child, you know that. Uh, that's the greatest thing you can do, by the way. It, it bring someone into your family, and, and you bring them in, and you don't, you don't just walk them in and say, okay, uh, I, I'm adopting you at this moment. You bring them in. You get them used to the family. You draw them in. But there comes that moment where you go down to the courthouse, and you sign that paper. And when you sign that paper, then that child is your child. Now, if you ask five months before that, most every adopted parent, adoptive parent will say, that's my child, right? They, they don't wait till they sign the paper. But when you sign the paper, then it's legal. Then the adoptive parents can never say, no, that's not my kid. <laughs> well, they may say that, but they don't really mean it from then on, right? Because... That's my kid. You hear me? Baptism is so important. It's that moment when Jesus looks at you and says, I'm so proud of you. You're my kid. You'll always be my kid. And that's going to be so important because there'll be times when your vision will become impaired again. 
when you won't be able to see a thing. And you'll be wondering if God really even cares. And you can always say, I know He cares, because that day I stood in the baptismal, He pointed to me and He said, you're my child. And that'll never change. And I believe He still has a plan for my life. I may not be able to see it real clearly, but I know He has a plan for my life. I just need to open my eyes and begin to experience Him again. I need to trust Him again. I need to open my life to Him again. I need to be willing to go where He wants me to go. I need to be willing to set aside those things that I've decided are my plans and my ways and rather accept His plans and His ways. I can do this because He is a part of my life. You see, you can see if you're willing to experience Him. And when you do that, He calls you to crazy things. When you follow those crazy things, you, do him, you see Him do all awesome things. And you may have questions. You may not understand it all, but, but you'll be excited about what He's doing. And then He'll begin to change you. He'll begin to change you and restore your sight so that you can really see. I have a question for you. Are you able to see God's plan for your life? If you can't, the first question I want to ask you is do you really have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about some religion. You're not, you know, I want to become Baptist. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really allowing Jesus to come into your life, that you want to experience Him. You want to see Him. Not just on Sunday morning, but you want to see Him on Tuesday and Wednesday and Monday and Friday and Thursday. You want to see Him every day of your life. You want to follow Him. You, you want to truly experience Him. You see, we live in a world that, that does a lot of hearing, but doesn't really see much. Do you see God's plan for your life? Maybe you do see it, but you have some questions. You, you, don't, get all, you don't get it all. Let me encourage you. you don't have, first of all, you don't have to get it all. Second of all, it's okay to ask the questions. And thirdly, in the end, God will make it clear to you. Listen, watch, and begin to follow Him, and you'll see Him do great things. Then finally, are you allowing Him to change you? I find the biggest struggle in seeing God's plan for my life is me. It's me. Because you see, I have this plan. I have this idea. I think I know what's best. And God and I have differing perspectives. And I have to choose. When I choose to follow His, He begins to change me. And then I begin to see clearer. What do you see for you this morning? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together and for this just powerful word you've given to us. Lord, all of us, um, all of us are seeking, or we wouldn't be here this morning. Some of us come with questions, Lord, and we just pray this morning that you would be listening and, and that they would be sharing all their questions, not afraid, but recognizing that you have some answers for them and, and truly looking and listening for your answers. 
Lord, some of us here this morning are are struggling because we're we're like, I, I have a plan for tomorrow, but I don't know if it's your plan, God. And for some, that's because they've never never really opened their hearts to you. We pray this morning, Lord, that they'd say yes. That they would decide to follow you. Oh, they may have seen you do some things. They spend a lot of time listening. But Lord, you have greater things. Help them to see you. Lord Jesus, come. Reveal yourself to us that we might truly follow your path. We might truly see your grace, your power. Lord, there may be somebody here that you're calling a long way from here or to a new direction, a new path, a new hope. Uh, Lord, we just pray that they would be willing this morning to be used by you. May they recognize that they're your child and that you have the best for them, that you have the best for us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. Amen. So if this morning...